Hello and welcome back to another episode of Very Good Video Games. My name is Levi, I'm your host, and I'm joined once again by Dylan and Scott. Seven bitch! (laughs) (laughs) Well, how are you doing, Dylan? I'm just going to skip over Scott. (laughs) If anything, I thought you guys would have done something along the lines of, uh, what's his name, Alex? Yo, check out this dope tech, bro. This is like some sick hacker stuff. Yo, thanks for that intro, homie. (laughs) Just like annoyingly upbeat all the time, except for the depressing parts. Anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Today, as we've been alluding to a lot already, we're talking about Road 96, the procedurally generated hitchhiking simulator where you play as a teen trying to escape a country in political turmoil due to its dictatorship and an upcoming election. But before we do that, I wanted to say full spoilers ahead for Road 96. If you haven't played it yet, go play it and join us again here. And uh, yeah, before anything else, I wanted to ask you guys, do you think this podcast will get a little political or? I think a good thing to just say right now is maybe some of the views expressed don't exactly portray our true politics. Just, mm-hmm. right. just to be clear, we might be playing a little bit of devil's advocate, maybe. Um, just, you know, we're just trying to view things from all perspectives. So if you hear something you don't agree with, that's not necessarily my point of view. Right. It could be. And you can fight me. (laughs) Are you advocating for a dictatorship? No. Okay. Well, we can get it. We'll we'll talk about it when when we get there. We'll talk about it when we get there. A great starting question is, how did you feel about those opening questions of the game itself? Oh my gosh, I totally forgot about those. Yeah. They were kind of weird, and I'm curious like, if it even affects how the game played. Yeah, that's a very good question. Because I... what, they, they were very like, they were kind of just like fun little travel questions. Like, do you like to do stuff alone? Go with your family and friends? <laughs> and it's just like, uh, I guess I like to hang out with my friends. And then all of a sudden, it's just like, in these political situations, how do you... Uh, how do you think you would react? And it's just like, whoa, this is, this took a huge left turn. (laughs) Yeah. A bit of like the theming of it right off the bat was like kind of whimsical and fun and family friendly. And then all of a sudden it's like, let's get real. It's psychic lapses. Do you think voting still matters? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Should you get the hell out of the country or revolt? (laughs) I know. Those are your only real options. I just thought that that was such a funny way to start the game. And there's no way to really test if it affected our gameplay, I think, because I have yeah. no idea yeah. if it did or didn't. It might bias you towards different openings, maybe? I don't know. Oh, that's true. Maybe. You're really pointing towards something that was on my mind the entire playthrough was like how much of this game is as advertised, like super procedurally generated, or is it just like the artifice of actual choice that they're giving us? I think it's not really that important on your choices. Yeah. Um, I think at the end, I mean, I feel like we're going to talk about the end right away if we want, because I don't think it changed. I, play, I, I did no. two playthroughs and it didn't really change much. Okay. I actually looked up the playthroughs online and... The playthroughs, how they play out, there are three different endings, and they're virtually identical. Yeah. Oh. As far as I can tell. Um, there's a few different details about, like, which characters die and which live, and how the last cutscene's phrased. But even the last cutscene itself, like, it doesn't change. 
Yeah. Okay. Basically, you could be as altruistic and idealistic of the voting system and it wouldn't matter. Or you could be absolutely selfish. And again, it's like like Dylan just said, virtually identical, except for like a few little tidbits. Right. Yeah. In the grand scheme of things, it felt like the choices we made and how we interacted with the characters was not that different from each other. Because all it really did was because I did two full playthroughs. And um, I, I got a lot of repeats of interactions with like John and Fanny and all the all of them. Right. And uh, there, there was obviously some new ones, which is the reason I went through it, because I wanted to get the 100 percent on all the characters. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I don't know. It, it, it really just like, yeah, it randomized the order of how you would interact with the characters. But ultimately, the same events will always happen. Yeah. And with procedural generation, even within the different vignettes, like when I heard it was procedures generated, I thought at least some elements within each story would be remixed. Like this building's in a different place or something like that. It's no, it's with it's just the order you experience things. That's right. different. Yeah, about halfway through my playthrough, I was kind of starting to pick up on that about mm-hmm. that that's the way it was procedural. Not like mm-hmm. each set was randomized to a certain type of logic or a certain percentage of a of a randomization that they can set. But yeah, which it's, but it's, honestly, I don't know if that really matters. Like that part doesn't matter as much. Mm-hmm. Um, they just that, wanted you to interact with the characters, and I think that was like the point of it. Hearing you guys talk about that about the actual like weight of your choices mattering that is really disappointing to me because I feel like a lot of games. I mean, that we've played recently on and off the podcast and just like kind of forever have been like putting forth this idea of like your choices really do matter and make a huge difference in the story. But like almost all the games don't really have that big of a difference in choice to choice. I think the only thing that really pops out in my mind is like the Mass Effect trilogy as like being one that I was just thinking apparently really does change from playthrough to playthrough depending on what you choose. But yeah. The other trilogy, the other trilogy that I'm always trying to get people to play is the Banner Saga. Oh, Darren played for like a little bit. Of course, I have to mention Darren. And um, <laughs> I was just like, "Whoa, what's going on in your playthrough? It's so different from mine." And he only played like the first game. Oh wow, it's it's insanely different how like everything affects your uh, story in that game. Even even other really good games that I would never talk shit about, but like uh, Life is Strange, it felt like only the very final decision really impacts what happens. Actually, in terms of choice of battery, I guess in one angle I take it at is not necessarily like how is the story affected is the most important thing because the nature of like nonlinear storytelling is that given the amount of time and effort it takes to even make one story, making multiple stories, it's hard to make them all equally meaningful. Well, with that said, like, a story can present different interesting content, even if the story is basically linear. Um, I haven't played through it again, but I want to, is a Disco Elysium. That story is pretty much linear. In fact, like, most, you're investing in crime that's already happened, so you can't change it after you start playing the game. But you're at least seeing, like, different stuff when you make different choices in that game. Right. Well, when you and I spoke, we had very different interactions with some events. Exactly. So, um, yeah. Okay, but, well, at least it sounds different enough then. I haven't personally mm-hmm. played Disco Elysium yet. Oh, God, I would love it's such to. such a good game. It's such a good game. Yeah. It is. Um, 
I think where turning back to the actual game we're talking about, mm-hmm. I think the slightly disappointing thing as well is that sometimes it also doesn't necessarily matter if choices really matter or not. It's when you actually make them, do you feel like there's an impact to it? Or like when you're in a game, even a linear game, it's like when you do an action, does it feel weighty? And I think my issue among, I'm just going to spoil this, many issues with Road 96 <laughs> is that it didn't really feel weighty, anything I was doing. It didn't really mm-hmm. feel like it was just like going anywhere. And it was very obvious, like my choices weren't making a huge impact on the overall course of the game. Yeah, I, I on the on the first playthrough, it felt like my actions had a lot of weight to them. Until I reached the end and had a second playthrough, I was like, none of this matters. Right. None of this really actually changes anything about how the characters interact with you or like, yeah, it just didn't matter uh, in the second playthrough to me. So I was just sort of like, whatever. Whereas the first the first playthrough, I was just like, holy shit, how do I answer these people? They're they're That was one of the <laughs> things that I had a problem with was that I had no context for the political landscape in this country. So all of a sudden I'm guessing yeah fuck the government right yeah. i'm like i don't know i have yeah. no idea the government actually just wants to provide everyone with free healthcare and puppies like yeah. well that's and the thing tearing this all down i don't know if it was going to be a game where it's just like playing on everyone everyone wants to be a, a revolutionary until they realize oh the government's actually not that bad you know like they do a lot a lot of good but i, I wasn't sure if they're trying to set you up to like be a revolutionary and then be like dude you're you're being a dick for no reason mm-hmm but like that's the thing. I had no context for anything, and so I'm just kind of guessing about what the politics of Petria are. Yeah. And I finished the game, and I'm still guessing what the politics <laughs> of Petria are. No. Yeah. That was the other thing, actually. It was um, I didn't love how they're telling you that the country is in turmoil and that the government sucks. So everything about it is just like telling you that the government sucks, and there's just no back and forth of like, oh no, these are this is just like. There's no misinformation play that could that they could have easily done, you know? Like it didn't try to mess with your mind of being like, are you sure about this? Are you oh, sure about your positions? I see of what this? you're saying. Yeah. Because we were it, we we just mentioned Disco Elysium, and it's very common for you to be discussing politics in that game. It's hard to explain how it works, but basically, if you start talking in certain directions in that game, it calls you a communist or it calls you a centrist or a libertarian, right? Whereas like this game was just like it didn't try to play with any of that, even though it was trying to be a political game. In fact, you're even asked by some random giving you a ride. Are you guys political? Uh, like, <laughs> yeah. And it's like, yeah, I, I want to be. But this game isn't really letting me explore the ideas of politics at all. It's kind of simplifying something. Yeah, it's definitely seemed the person who made this game has a very clear political view, in my opinion. It seemed like they were very left in the person who built this game. I mean, that's just the way I interpreted it. Maybe it's just because I tend to skew that way, but... I I also, like, I think have similar starting point to Levi, but I would actually push back and say, like, I'm not necessarily sure how really left the game actually is. In fact, you can maybe, like, if you were to approach it from maybe, like, a more right-wing perspective, the government has so few actual identifiers about, like, what it's actually doing, what it's like, you could arguably interpret it as, like, communist or something. 
I would say that the way it's trying to portray itself is very similar to the political climate in Venezuela, where it's like very oil rich. Yeah, actually, it's a good point. But but and that they were a communist country, but like they weren't they weren't actually communists. They were they were, you know, fake communists that just made their political elite were the ones who gained from the oil riches, but not the people. Right. Hmm. And that's that's what I got from this fictional country. But like, also, I could not try to pinpoint where Petru was trying to be. Like, it had this very deserty feel. It, it kind of almost felt like kind of Afghanistan in some in some parts, where it like had like the mountain regions, you know, like it had like the forests, but then it also had like the full deserts. It's definitely trying to be an amalgamation of like a ton of other countries. Well, yeah. And there's no consistent accent. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, very true. I feel like even in the because the first thing I got was like a Stan and Mitch scene. And I feel like even that scene, their voices are kind of changing as this goes along. Like, I couldn't really pinpoint exactly what each actor was going for. Like, well, yeah, one of them kind of just sounded like a bit of a dummy. Yeah, <laughs> um, the other guy sounds like this. I, that, that's just their voice but like they didn't really have like an accent to them other than maybe sounding kind of i don't even know what they kind of sounded like they kind of just didn't have an accent and then yeah. kind of sonia did and it was kind of like that like yeah no that, that's a good point i uh, i feel like the voice acting like for each individual character is like it was done really well but as far as the consistency between all of the characters together like they couldn't stay with one style of voice acting. Like some of them are like very just cut and dry, realistic voice actors. Some of them being like Stan and Mitch and yeah. And Sonya yeah. being like very cartoony kind of stuff. And it's, yeah. it's, it kind of like gave me some whiplash sometimes where I just go from one scene where it's like talking about committing some sort of like revolutionary act. And then it's or like, Hey, Jared's scene where he's like just stripping yeah. people. <laughs> okay, yeah. Jared really kept me on my toes when I first met him because I was just like, I can't tell if this is a good or a bad person. And I think we can all agree that he is he's a vigilante, I guess, is the best way to put no, it. No, like he did you guys get the one where he's like I got all of them. Okay, you got all of them. Yeah, yeah. you hundred yeah, percent straight up murders a cop and like burns the body in a bathtub. Like I yes. don't think I got that one. <laughs> Why did the, he, he killed the cop because the cop was probably on him. But Jared was specifically focused on the black brigades because his daughter was crushed by a rock and he blamed the black brigades for his daughter's death. Yeah. Yeah. But then also at the end of that video, he also just shoots the hotel manager as well. I don't know if you got that, Scott. What? So... Basically, you're talking um, about the same, like the same, uh, yeah. as you called them, the same vignette, which is a great way to put it. Um, you're talking about the one where he has the cop in the in the in the, in the bathtub, yeah, in the bathtub, melts and so them. and melts them, yeah, and then he With says, "Okay, the, it's the very good soap." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh um, my god! Yeah, I love. That was pretty fucking funny. Um, no, so what happens is when you he lets you go for that scene, if you go up to the um, attendant, which I was just going up because I wanted to like steal the car keys or something because I just wanted to drive away in a car. If yeah. you just talk to the attendant, he will come up and just like shoot the attendant and walk away. Oh. Just no, it doesn't even matter if you're like trying to stitch on him. He will just do it. Just I did not have that happen. Someone. Yeah. I feel like that... That's a good uh, example of how this game really does 
put forth the idea of the, each of these characters are either good or bad or somewhere in the middle. And but then as you get to know them more, you you kind of start to like change your ideas about them. Like say if it's a bad person, like um, Sonia. Like, like Sonia, yeah, Sonia was a big one for me. Where you, you like at first you're like, man, this person is just straight up like comic book evil. But then as you get to know some of their <laughs> some of their inner personality traits and like why they have these personality traits, you kind of start to sympathize a bit more. But then I feel like it doesn't fully get there. Where like it, it's 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 almost like with the political atmosphere of the game, it's like kind of explores a little bit of. Like, oh, things aren't as black and white. Yeah, they, it's like they tried to make the gray area with the characters themselves and not the actual politics. Because mm-hmm. that, that's a good point. Because it was like, I remember in my first playthrough, Zoe, I was just like, oh, we gotta we gotta be going with Zoe. She's like the cute girl trying to get us to like come along on her big adventure. And she's like the Minister of Oil's daughter and stuff. So it's like, we gotta help her. She's like the, she's like the main character. We're not the protagonist. She is, right? Yeah. Like I picked up on that and it actually is true that she is kind of the protagonist of the game. Mm-hmm. And so the funny thing about trying to help her is every single time you try to help her as one of the teenagers that you play, you always get fucked over. <laughs> Wait, when you try to help her escape the wall? There's whenever you try to escape or no, sorry, in any vignette, like anytime you're interacting with her across multiple playthroughs, as in like multiple different teenagers, she always screws you over. Not intentionally, but like she is just like the worst person to be around. Like she is just like a disaster to be around. Yeah. Even the first one, she gets you kicked out of the camp. Like she gets you kicked out of the camp. You try to (laughs) save her from the cop and you immediately get dunked on. Yeah. Um, which I died from, or I didn't die from, but like I got caught by the cops. Yeah, and I got caught too. When you save her at the end, like when she's trying to escape the wall at mm-hmm. Road ninety six, you absolutely like I'm just like, oh fuck it, I'll save you. And then obviously you get gunned down. Right. So it's like no matter what, this this girl is just like trouble waiting to happen. She, she's straight up curse. Wait, so I gotta confirm there. Then did all three of us? choose to help her to escape and sacrifice ourselves or did anybody choose to just be like nah screw it i'm gone my second playthrough i i was like fuck you bitch i'm out <laughs> <laughs> okay so i'm i'm interested like what happens in that scenario nothing well also like, i was realized remember they keep saying you hear about the kid that died at the wall like that doesn't right. nec- that could be either one of you yeah, they 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 didn't even like change it where like they're talking about like the minister of oil's daughter died. They just talk about a teenager died. Oh, so she does end up dying. Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's like a. But that was only the only reason I did that was because I was trying to do opposite of anything that I could remember in my first playthrough to just get anything different. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about the gray areas of things. Like straight up, Alex. We're talking about him being super positive. Kid makes a motherfucking bomb. Yeah. <laughs> for robert that's at the end of basically the end of his character arc though mm-hmm. yeah so actually what's interesting i found out in my second playthrough is i actually stopped alex from making the bomb and the bomb still gets made though oh what the heck <laughs> that's it's and it's still using his schematics for the bomb right so alex is still there trying to deactivate it at the wall at the end so everything everything basically plays out the same no yeah i actually got the same now that you're Reminding me, I got the same ending as that where, yeah, I, f- I found him at the end at that abandoned gas station making the bomb and convinced him not to. And then I didn't, yeah. I sure didn't get this vignette, by the way. Oh, okay. 
designably through there's once. there's two options actually of stopping him from making it but the thing is there's one really early on where he straight up stops like maybe in the first run that i got yeah so it's like you're talking to him over the 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 radio uh through john's truck and mm-hmm. that's how i stopped him from uh making the bomb john the uh trucker big john the trucker pop a bear oh yeah pop a bear or the wall oh (laughs) or mr you oh my god he's a big lovable bear i i would say john is for sure my favorite character oh man yeah he was good you also have to wake him up with a bear horn which is super funny do you remember like did you you guys got that right the truck the one where you're in the truck and you have to oh and he falls asleep yeah yeah Yeah, he falls asleep and you're like john wake the fuck up and you're like trying to like (laughs) use like the air horn and shit and it's like you have to use the bear horn though i thought he was messing with me in that moment i was like okay there's no way he's like i just talked to him about like yo man you can't fall asleep and then he's like okay Like, Bro, oh, okay. it happens to truckers. It's like been well documented that those truckers absolutely fall asleep on oh, the road. Oh, totally, totally. It's just in the way that it was done in the actual scene. I was like, okay, he's not actually asleep, is he? <laughs> actually let it like ride out for a while without trying to wake him up. Yeah, that's what you got to make him his omen vitality. <laughs> yeah. Man, I want to try that drink for real. I feel like it oh, would be God. disgusting. What was it again? Pickle juice, ginseng. I can't remember. It didn't sound good. No. I'm I'm curious about your guys' first playthrough or the first run. Like, you did you escape the first time that you reached the road ninety six? Yes, actually, I believe I did. Yeah, yeah. My first run, I I made it out, and I thought that like at this point, I knew the game was procedural, but I didn't know it was about multiple runs. And so I was like, wait, did I just beat the game? Like, what's happening? <laughs> that, that was easy. What the heck? Um, yeah. I wanted to I ask scared. you guys. How did you guys? How, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to ask you. You might have just been about to ask this, but like, how did you guys get over the border in your first run? Like, that was what I was thinking. Yeah. Uh, okay, uh, I I wasn't sure how the game was structured either. Right about the procedural generation. So I was like, I don't know. I tried the mountain first, and that worked out for me. Yeah. No, that was the exact same for me too. Actually, I was going to ask because I was thinking, oh, the mountain. Okay, well, that's going to take like a lot of energy. So I'm going to wait till I get the Omen Vitality and go with like a full stamina bar over it. And it is like, oh, it takes overall like four pips away. I could have done that any time. And the other thing I was wondering is, did you guys ever run out or run really low on energy? Because I feel like it just ultimately wasn't really a factor in anything. I just constantly was getting like enough energy to keep going. Yeah, actually, I did. There's, a, I think it was my. Let me just quickly check my notes. Yeah, for me, second for run. me, it was the second. It was the second run when you tried to help Zoe, right? Um, yeah, yeah, met yeah. Zoe and yeah, passed out right away. <laughs> Basically, I chose a terrible like character. Like I was, it was one that had a lot of money to start off with, but had low energy as well. And I was like, okay, last game, like my first run, I barely got below. But I barely lost an energy pip or two even. And that's why I could make it over the mountain, no problem. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go with the complete opposite. No energy to start. And yeah, just it was like the first vignette. Vignette? Vignette. You don't, you don't pronounce the G typically. The first, the first scenario. <laughs> it's a vignette. Vignette. Stop saying the G. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just died right away. Or you don't die, you get... Wait, actually, Dylan, did you run out of energy before I go into it? No, I didn't. Okay. That, that's what I'm asking is it sits wasn't a factor in anything after mm-hmm. a while i'm like oh i just don't have to worry about it. i'm just gonna keep getting energy i mean it sounds like you just didn't i got a bad started... 
run from it. Bad opening. Yeah. yeah. Bad opening character and bad opening vignette. And you just end up walking along the side of the road or something and you just run out of energy and pass out. And then a cop finds you and goes like, what do we have here? Huh? And it just like oh, yeah. throws you in the back <laughs> of his cop car and ships you off to the teen mines or whatever they're called. Where they work te- only teenagers. <laughs> Those damn youths. <laughs> okay, just gotta bring up that premise. Like, of all the things, like, only teenagers who are trying to escape the country, not criminals, not undesirables, just specifically teenagers, get sent to the goddamn iron mines. Like, what a premise. Yeah. They got strong backs. Yeah. <laughs> They're young and they've got lots of that vitality we've been talking about. And so they can Omen vitality. They can pick away for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, actually, talk about Omen vitality real quick. Before my first playthrough, I noticed that that Omen vitality perk was specifically set aside on my menu where like I could yeah. like, sign up for like a third party app and then immediately unlock it or something. And I was like, what? What is this? Yeah, this is- I noticed that too. I, I did not notice it. that. Yeah, I did. Like, I- I didn't know what to make of that. I think I clicked on it and it kind of said something about like, oh, you have to sign up like with this new, you have to create an account for this program. And then it also takes some of your data or something. I didn't look into it too much. And I was like, that seems like too much work for something. I'm just, I just want to play the game. That's so weird. I can't remember what happened. I I did something in game. I think it might've been with the music and like changing the music on the radio. And it prompted me to buy the game soundtrack in game itself. And I was like, this is like all in my first like 15 minutes of playing the game too. And I was like, what is this game trying to like wheel and deal me here? What's going on? That is okay. So I just, I just looked it up because I was out of, out of curiosity. It's for HP Omen computers. Oh yeah. I heard about that. So it's like, this game was made with like HP something like development. Oh man, that is so weird. Oh, and that's why it's called Omen Vitality. I guess. Oh yeah, I guess. <laughs> what a strange like partnership for a game to do. <laughs> Yo, that's that's some pay to win PC shit, bro. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and the fact that they had the like bars like clearly present on the health bar initially, like. <sighs> Oh, I remember I was really confused because I, again, didn't really understand the uh, parameters of the game. Um, The first vignette that I had was with Fanny. You're in a van with her and she has someone that she's bringing to the station. And there's like a stress meter that you have to keep like lowering. Yeah. And so after that, I was getting so confused because I was like resting and this bar that I had was going up. So I'm like, am I getting more stressed right now? Are you you getting stressed or is the situation being stressed? That's why I was like, they didn't explain it to me. So I didn't understand the energy bar right away. And I was like, oh, okay. So that's very funny. Also, it's funny that you were like trying to lower stress bar. I was intentionally like messing around and like trying to raise your stress in that situation. <laughs> I was doing that in my second playthrough. Couldn't get it full. Really? really? Yeah. Huh. I was thinking about that because that happened in my first playthrough as well. It was the second thing that happened to me. It was and... like I was also trying to fill Jared's cold anger as well. And it's oh, like yeah. I, couldn't, I couldn't get there. It was His like cold anger. Do you like dinosaurs? <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, yeah. Yeah, I was curious about that particular scene with Fanny and it's it's a van, but it's those are technically the buses and for the game. And I, I was really confused. I was so confused at first. I remember doing like catch the bus option and then was just all of a sudden on this bus and I was like, wait, did I hitchhike by accident? What happened here? Why are we what's going on? And then like slowly 
clued in after multiple playthroughs as well that I was like, oh, this is the bus. Okay. But um, yeah, I, I was really curious to see, like, that's another like illusion of choice thing that we've been talking about. But like, I was curious to see, especially after getting to know Fanny's character through my entire playthrough, like if in that first instance, if she would have ended up shooting somebody or something in that bus with the teen scenario. And I guess, yeah, I guess you can't. Uh, she basically like, she actually pulls out her gun and like starts screaming at everyone in that situation. Okay, well, I got her to pull out her gun, but okay, she yeah. didn't pull the gun out as well. Yeah. Okay. Okay, but basically, all that happens, I guess, is that when they call her after she initially called for backup, and she responds, she actually says, "I got a teenager," and she gets off the bus with the kid and takes him away. Ah, I see. Okay, so that's the one yeah. to zero. Okay. Switch of that situation. It's like you either save the teen or don't. Huh. Okay. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Gotcha. I wanted to go more in depth in some of the runs and stuff. Was there any? Well, I was going to say, yeah, we can talk about the runs, but I was going to say, actually, what did you guys think of just the overall mechanics of the game? Because personally, I felt that, you know, it kind of reminded me of like, you know, interacting with characters in, say, a Telltale game. Mm. Or we I mentioned Life is Strange before. Yeah. It's kind of just like you're interacting with characters and that's fine with me. I thought the characters were enjoyable to talk to, but then they kind of just threw in random gameplay, like mini games almost <laughs> like yes. all of a sudden, Hey, you guys are going to play some trombone and it's going to be shit. Yeah. Or you play some connect Four. I, um, what else was there? Uh, I know air hockey. There was, there was a uh, going left and right in the motorcycle. Oh yeah. Oh my God. Avoiding was, traffic. Yeah. yeah. Avoiding traffic. By the way, that was the first thing I got in the game. The very really? first thing. And yeah, I was like, wow, I'm very impressed with this game. Yeah, oh my god. If that was my first one, god damn. Yeah. My first run in general, I felt underwhelmed by the game, but I got more into it afterwards. But yeah, I would have been like, so like, okay, so I'm going to go back and forth. Great. Mm-hmm. No, and literally it was it was just the one of the worst ways to open a game I've ever seen where not only that, but during the conversation, like you're supposed to be looking up at Dan and Mitch. And mm-hmm. it's like such a bad angle. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, there was another like, yeah, there was Pong, which was obviously easy. I've, we've all played Pong. As far as like the gameplay and stuff goes, like it's clearly just like a character driven and like narrative game. And so that's kind of all they really focused on, except for with these small little mini games. Yeah, the the, the gameplay was as good as it needed to be for that. I liked some of the mini games like I liked uh, I liked Alex's tank game. Yeah, whoop his butt because you can just spam fire button. (laughs) A really funny Stan and Mitch interaction was when you're driving a stolen car and you pick them up. Did you guys get this one? Yeah, oh, yeah. So yeah. And they, exactly like, it's so about. good. All of a sudden, they start a game show with you, basically. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was so good. That was the very last thing. That was like one of the last things that I had to get. Yeah, no, that was a that was a funny little moment. I didn't fully understand what was happening because they're arguing with each other and like fully ignoring you. And like, I thought it was a good representation of your character, the teen you're playing as in game. Literally, like that's like half the options for you to say. It's like, what is going on? Why are you not acknowledging me? <laughs> and at yeah. first I thought I was just like crazy. I'm like, wait, are they responding to what I'm saying? No, they're really not, are they? And then when the game show started up, I was just like, this is one of those freaking game shows where like the answers are totally skewed. There's no real answer that you're going to get because these guys are just trying to screw with you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
I'm assuming that's what it exactly was, because I only got one right, and they're like, hey, this guy's pretty good. <laughs> uh, same with me. I only got one of them. In terms of the overall structure that you asked about, the classic quote that's kind of mine is that they were so concerned whether or not they could, they didn't ask whether or not they should. In which regard? In two senses. One is that the fact that you have so many different permutations for story order is at least an interesting idea. The problem is that presenting a story in a random order means that you're going to write it so that each individual scene just kind of stands on its own. It doesn't progress anywhere for the most part, except for things like the Zoe scenes that do have a set order to them. They all had a set order, actually. What do you mean they all have a set order? So not so much a set order, but like you won't get certain vignettes early on because you have to have already had interactions with Stan and Mitch, Jared and Sonia to understand their link together when you see them at Road 96. Right. Okay. So there is a there is sort of like a loose there's sort of like a loose schedule that they're following with the game, but it's it is a little bit randomized, yeah. It's more like it's more like they happen everything's happening that you did last time, but it's in a slightly different order. Yeah. I mean, maybe we'll get into more fundamental problems with the writing, but it felt to me like it was probably even more random than it truly was because I felt like oftentimes things weren't really so much going anywhere. The thing about the vignette thing is that you can hide information and have it be revealed across different runs. For the most part, though, I felt like most of the information about the characters was actually revealed relatively early on for most of them. But it kept hitting the same emotional notes like, oh, Alex's parents are dead and they were in the brigades and Fanny is conflicted between like her obligations to Alex versus the law and society mm -hmm. and Papa Bear is a rebel, <laughs> but he can't be open with it with you because you're some random teenager, but he is also being kind of open with it at the same time. Not even just with some random teenager, with multiple random teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Multiple random teenagers this month. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was over the span of a couple months, but yeah, it's very not secretive about like who he is mm -hmm. at all. And in fact, in my second round, I tried to uh, narc by phoning into that number. Oh, yeah. I wanted to oh, try yeah. that. I totally forgot. And they they don't let you, basically. What? They have those posters all over the place. And like, I really yeah. thought that was an option to like get a bunch of money for some, like $10,000, whatever it was, for whatever you need that money for. But I, I think the most money I got was like $200. I got like... 350 to 400 one game because uh, oh it was it with was the, it was with sonya it was with sonya and like the the uh track the ball under the cup game and i just yeah. i just kept on doubling my money and won every single time and i just got like a ton of money from that yeah i can't remember how much i got actually but i got a lot i remember because i remember i remember i wanted a lot because uh, i took that money and when i reached the road 96 part i was like okay the first, this was in my second playthrough. So in my first playthrough, did you, you guys had the smuggler help you out one time, right? Um, not so much help me out as in just totally screw me over and I got yes. captured and killed. <laughs> That's what I was trying to get at. Okay. So you'll, you'll laugh at this because my first playthrough, I'm like, yeah, I got 50 bucks. Fuck yeah. Let's take the smuggler. Right. And so <laughs> yeah. she gets me out there and she's like, all right, I need the money. I'm like, what? Well, I gave you it. <laughs> yeah. Hey man, don't but play around here. <laughs> I already gave you the money. 
And then so she's like, all right, well, fuck you. I'm out of here, right? And then you meet another teenager. So me and him both go and like try to make our way out. And I see this guy who's just like, all right, I guess uh, I guess I'm hooped if this guy's here. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to walk up and just see what happens. So basically, you can basically walk right past him and I start running. So I mean, I'm getting shot at. Is that the guard you're talking about? The guard, yeah, that like is supposed to be the one that you pay off with the smuggler. He starts shooting at me and I'm just running with the other teenager and like the truck pulls up and starts firing at us and the the teenager offers to push me up or I can say no and help them up. I'm just like, yep, get me out of here. So the guy, the guy pushes me over the fence and I ditch him and he just gets gunned down. I'm like, yeah, oh that's what no, I got. my God. That's what I got, yeah. <laughs> so... Here's the reason why I'm like, well, this is bullshit that I, I could have just done that. Whereas like I had so much money that I just paid every single step of mm-hmm. the smuggler's path. The truck still pulls up and tries to gun you down. Really? Yeah. Only this time, at least I had the lucky star this time. Okay. So I helped them up and then they helped me out. So we both got out, but I was just like, they're not really changing things up. Like no. I had all the money and they still like jumped on me like, come on. Yeah. It should be easier to just let you through if you pay all the money. Like It's very unlikely to get all that money because I will say it's pretty hard to do that very final three cup Monty thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty tough, but I did it. Um, my scenario with getting smuggled out, out of the country was uh, just a little bit different where, yeah, I got to the, that, that guard at the end after the smuggler ditched me, of course, and I didn't have the other teenager with me. So I just booked it past him like you did. And I was like, oh, my God, like it's actually letting me do this. I'm going to get out. And then it gets I get to the wall and it's just like because I don't have the teenager with me. It's like try and jump. And you just like do this pitiful little like ah, <laughs> jump up for like, reach. Oh, no. no, I can't make it. You just get gunned down. I'm like, OK, what the hell? that's so funny. Oh, oh, it's just so pathetic. Ah, like, ah, ah, help, I can't reach. Was there any like particularly like funny moments that like stood out in your mind? Like either character moments or like vignette moments that you thought were kind of janky? <laughs> um oh, actually the really funny thing was with Sonya when she's fucking high as a kite and gets oh, you yes. high as fuck as well. Did oh, you get that, Levi? Yeah, I yeah. got that too. Yeah. And I thought that was fucking hilarious. I didn't get that on my first playthrough either. So oh, really? Like, oh my god, that, I'm so glad you got that. Because that part oh my was god. a highlight for sure. Oh mm-hmm. man, that part yeah. was hilarious. I I didn't understand how are you hallucinating through liquor? Is it like um, absinthe or something? Or like, could be. I mean, I guess that's the that's the only liquor I know of that is uh, hallucinogenic. She could have just put fucking anything in your drink, like. <laughs> Yeah, man, that just adds to her cartoonish villainry. She is just such a she is such a cartoon. (laughs) Yeah. No, speaking of Sonya, here's my moment. Okay, it is the one where like she's at the border doing the report, and all of a sudden Jared just shows up behind her, very clearly visible. By the way, it's like, well, better do it now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And she chooses this moment to be like. The one thing I feel bad about, (laughs) the only thing I feel bad about, I'm okay in every other respect, but I feel bad because this girl Lola died at the border. I'm saying this now for some reason, unprompted for some reason. Going into so much exposition on this little girl. (laughs) Yep. And thankfully, Jared, who is again like three feet away from her pointed gun, is like, oh, she feels bad about it. I think it's chased off by Stan and Mitch. 
Yeah. Yeah. So speaking and of Jared, I, I was, I, hold on. Just that scene. I literally just wrote down, are you fucking kidding me? In my notes? <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, this is so, so bad. So such dog shit writing. This I was going to say a lot of the stuff with Jared was funny as fuck because yeah. it's, he is such a dark character, but then like they do these really cheap jump scare tactics throughout the game, like multiple times with him and not just him, but also we were just talking about the smugglers thing. There's like the crows all of a sudden fly off and you're like camera like snaps to oh, it and, and forces you to look. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, there's also, like, a steam pipe that, like, is supposed to scare you when you take the underground tunnels. And it's just, like, mm-hmm. why are they doing these weird random jump scares? Yeah. I I will say that for some reason, the Jared jump scare sting is the most effective sound effect ever to make me jump. Because <laughs> half of the time he was jump scaring me, I knew exactly what was coming. Like, in the hotel room, it's like, like okay, I'm going to sleep. The guy mentioned serial killers. When I wake up, he's gonna be like staring me right in the face, and it, he was. But the sting came out. Like, oh God, Jared's here! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then I'm filling the bathtub with the body. It's like okay, he's gonna be right behind me. The camera's gonna swivel around. Like I know exactly. What's and he turn does it. It's like oh, but the sting played, so I had to jump again. Like <laughs> you, 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 you described it perfectly. Yeah. yeah, that was a really funny part when you go to sleep and then all of a sudden you're in his room. I didn't get that part. Like I paid for the room. Like, what do you mean I'm in your room? Like, yeah, his character and character design, I would say. Sorry, wait, Dylan, did you pay for a room? I paid for a room. Yeah. Okay. That's even funnier Yeah. because mine was, I was sleeping in the cardboard behind out back. And then he obviously like grabbed me from there and put me in his room. What? What? Yeah, so that's such lazy design. No, that's lazy design because no matter what, it's just going to be the same thing, regardless of context. Yours is so much funnier because his is just like, <laughs> for, for me at least, he's just like, we can't have you outside, leave it in the cold, <laughs> right? Like he's trying to be like a nice guy, right? But then for yours, for yours, he, he for some reason just like, mm, I'm going to bring you into my room. Yeah, that seems like yeah. a nice thing to do. Well, I couldn't tell because if he's he didn't say like he moving. So I thought it's like, did I somehow fall asleep in this room? Or did he just like set up all his stuff on the bed and then start claiming in his room or something? I don't I couldn't tell what I was supposed to think about this. Bro, I didn't even think that I didn't even think that, that would happen. I, I was like, oh yeah, I didn't have any money to do that, so I just slept outside. <laughs> this yeah. is really funny hearing your guys' description of the scene from the two different angles, because I didn't get it. And so it just seems so ridiculous. Especially Scott's like homeless think, choice think, to be like dragged. I think Dylan's inside. is funnier. Like, like just as like logistics, like how did he not wake you up by bringing you inside? Like just what? being dragged across the sidewalk, <laughs> You're like just that tired, just like oh god. Hey, when you gotta sleep, you gotta sleep. Yeah. Um, speaking of Jared, I will say that out of all the characters, some of them I was not looking forward to it when I was getting their vignettes. Jared, I was always mostly having a good time with them whenever I got his stuff. <laughs> like when you're in the cab and like you hear like the knocking around in the trunk and he's like, don't worry oh about God. that. And you're like, they're, okay, there's there's clearly someone in there, man. <laughs> no, doesn't he ask you? It's like, did you say something? And you're like, nope, <laughs> nope, not me, man, not me. <laughs> Just trying to play it cool. The other Jared thing wasn't actually one of his scenes. It was uh, an Alex scene when he repairs the arcade cabinet. You have like a drink with them afterwards. And you get a dialogue choice. 
the killers mentioned, at least in my playthrough. And what was the vote was like, I think the killer should vote. Like basically that. <laughs> like, what is this dialogue option? And then, and then I was like, wow, you're really into voting. Aren't you? <laughs> I did not get, I don't remember that at all. I so don't remember hilarious. that either. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to ask you guys about a very particular scene where you go to the bar and you first get introduced to the the rebels. Um, what were they the called? black brigades? The black brigades, or just the brigades? Yeah, the brigades. Uh, what did you think about that scene in particular? Because it starts off really fun, where like John gets you to play some air hockey with him, and I personally smoked him and. I thought that was actually a really fun, like a really good representation of air hockey in the game. I thought it was going to be a bit janky, like some of the other mini games, but oh, I janked it, fe- it up. It felt yeah, really good too. though. It felt pretty like accurate to real air hockey. If you put the sensitivity to max on your mouse, you just like swivel your hand back and forth, and it just like rockets the puck back at oh their end. <laughs> oh <my laughs> so God. funny. All I did was just move my mouse back and forth in front of the goal, and like I almost never got scored on with that. Ah. See, I found like the perfect angle to like right when they serve it to you, just like to hit it off, like bank it off the wall and get it right behind them right away. And just like one shot, one goal kind of thing. Um, very, very honorable of you. Yeah, I played it. Is, the real oh, way. You're also talking about when you get drunk, right? Yeah. So like, like, what's the deal with like drinking booze and like just immediately passing out or like having some hallucinogenic scene oh, play yeah. out in this well, game? Yeah. I will remind you that you're a teenager. Yeah, but like, how young a teenager are you, though? Like, yeah, but you don't drink a single drink and then all of a sudden, like, I feel funny and then just pass out right away. You're like, I thought, and then, like, as far as like decisions being made by like the head of this like underground rebel group, like his decision, oh, I got this teenager drunk and pa- they passed out. Like, I'm going to bring them to my underground secret lair, like, after just meeting them. How are these people still not discovered by the government? Like, <laughs> they are the worst rebels I've ever seen. Oh, God. Just, they do not do their due diligence yeah. at all. John's got like a big, like, brigade's tattoo on his forearm. And <laughs> it was so funny. First thing I know is like, oh, he's with the brigades. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it's obvious that he's carrying the radio transmitter. I didn't get that right away. I mean, that's the first time I was in the truck with him. I was like, like, and you I didn't get it the, the first time either. But then it was like obvious when I even just heard about the transmitter being moved around. I was just like, oh, John's got it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just I found some of the character like, yeah, like the, the writing for some of the characters was like kind of bad. And some of the decisions they make, it seems like kind of like blundery, but like just they somehow successfully blunder and don't get discovered. Well, okay. (laughs) So we're going to start talking about that as well. This gets into both like the character writing and the politics, but the initial setup, we didn't feel like a lot was necessarily revealed. One thing that I did notice was that the rebels were more A, incompetent, but B, also like, more actually exactly what the government described them as in the first place. Because initially it's like, oh, well, the government caused the rock slide because, you know, they were, uh, what was the justification for having explosive? Like they were just clearing with avalanches and they triggered it. But then it turns out also, well, we were driving a truck at Tarnak or whatever. Yeah, the dictator. Yeah, the dictator. Iraq. Tyrak. Iraq, yeah. Tyrant yeah. Tyrak. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we were driving a truck directly at Tyrak 
And that's why they trigger the rocks. Like, oh, so you were trying to kill him. And presumably a lot of other people in like a crowd, if he's giving a speech and you're driving a giant truck at him. Yeah. And then even later on, it's like, well, we tried to set off explosives. That didn't work. So then we drove the truck at him. It's like, so you would have set off the explosives and that would have had basically the same effect as what actually happened then. No. So what happened was, I think you kind of described it a little incorrectly there. Oh. Mm-hmm. So what actually is happening is that there's explosives up there to help trigger avalanches so that they can they're controlled avalanches, but the government triggered it in response to the assassination attempt via truck. Yeah. Yes. But And so they're kind of both in the wrong. And I guess that's the one spot where they try to make it a little bit of a gray area for right and wrong, but like they kind of gloss over the brigades' like involvement, I feel, a lot of the times. Mm-hmm. I mean a little yeah. bit. But I think I think maybe like I need to check the ending cutscene, but I'm pretty sure in the end cutscene they say we set a bomb, it failed, and then we drove the truck because of that. Yeah, I can't remember the specifics of that. Uh, at either. least in the I got the rebel ending and I feel like they said it in that. I can't I can't recall that exact thing, so I yeah, I'm not sure. Man, fast fast reaction time from the government or the Tyrak guys though, because like to see the truck drive at them and then be like, quick, activate those avalanche dynamite, like controlled explosion stuff. Like, like that was such fast reaction time. <laughs> like, they're just like the, the one, the one guy must have gotten a huge promotion after that. But like, that's their knee jerk reaction to a van driving at them. Like, not like, oh, shoot him, <laughs> shoot the van. <laughs> it's like, no, quick, blow up the mountainside and kill everybody. <laughs> Um, but this is this is also where I'm getting to where the politics don't make much sense or just need a lot more detail to make sense. Where A, we don't know what Tyrek's deal is in any other sense besides he's kidnapped and you're sent to the Iron Mines. So we don't really know why he had a rebel group targeting him in the first place. And also I think it's because of what we talked about earlier with the country being poor but the politicians being rich. I think that's implied at least. Yeah, well with like the like with Zoe's dad being the rich oil baron that he is. Like yeah, I think it is like implying that. He's the minister of oil. He's not a baron. <laughs> yeah, the oil baron <laughs> with the suspenders and everything. Twirly mustache. Oh yeah. <laughs> you get the sense that in this country that is basically an oil baron. Yeah. Basically, um, yeah. But again, you have to infer all this, but the thing that I really stuck out to me was that so I think it was like the fourth time you meet Zoe when she comes with the documents showing like, oh, the government triggered the explosion. But she also says in response to the brigade to assassinate him. And like, realistically, they were trying to assassinate the president. If you release this, almost nothing would change. All supporters would say, well, it was justified then, like because he was already under physical threat. Like, barely anyone would be on the brigade's side if that realistically came out. Especially given how the, strong the government's hold on society is. Right. I mean, I, I don't know if I fully agree. Like, the people who were already supporting the brigades would probably not be turned to Tyrak's side in that particular scenario. It's like Scott was saying, it's like both sides were in the wrong. But then it goes to, like, how far were the brigades in the wrong? Because, like, like yeah, we don't know the full extent of Tyrax crimes, whether they be political or like literal crimes of having people be killed. So like, I don't know, like 
a, a big theme of the game is like the brigades keep saying like when you tell them you're going to vote to change things which is what i did this is like oh you're going to trust in this broken system it's at, it's beyond that point man like you got to just you got to rise up and take action like it leaves it up to the, it leaves the decision up to you to decide but it's going in the three directions of just like go with the political atmosphere or like the tyrant whatever whoever's in power to or to try and vote and like use the system to try and make change or to just if that if that system is broken then to just rise up and physically make change and or alternatively just like tune out and try and run off for yourself yes yeah, sorry is the, that's the third option. final option yeah yeah just escape and all people for themselves kind of thing but i don't know i I don't think that it would if if those papers were released, it would I think it was more on the sense of everyone rising up against Tyrak. It's implied that it's not just like the people of Petria. It's trying to say like the rest of the countries in the world will be like, hey, this this is like blatant. Like, sure, like he it was like he was having an assassination attempt on himself. But like we were saying, that's a pretty extreme reaction and a weird one to go to first. <laughs> I might reiterate uh, and like you, like with a ton of casualties and like collateral damage and stuff. So I feel like like the U.N., if there is one in this theoretical world, would intervene in that scenario. Yeah. We were mentioning Disco Elysium earlier. In that game, you get a very strong sense of the world as it exists prior to your own arrival in it. In fact, like apparently with that game, it was made like as a D&D setting first, and then they were writing like narratives in it. In this one, you get no sense of like what actually exists outside the borders beyond freedom. Yeah. And even the borders those don't make sense because the whole country, you see a map of the entire country at one point, and it is just the map, basically the map you see during the travel screens. It's just a diamond-shaped country heading upwards towards mountains. So presumably the rest is like water or something like that. Well, you can see beyond the wall, when, especially when you're up on top of the mountain. You can see beyond the wall, but presumably that's like the only border. But the rest of the world just doesn't seem to really matter that much. Like, so realistically, like you're mentioning, oh, the UN might do something. But within the, the saying of the game, it's poorly developed, like what the political situation is outside of the teenager kidnapping or what foreign policy looks like. And that's a real problem for like, what exactly are you rebelling against? That's what I keep coming back to with why I found the game so unsatisfying for its story. Mm. I think the way they're trying to portray it is that like on the inside of Petria is like being on the inside of say like North Korea or something where you don't get a lot of a sense of what it is like on the outside world. I would imagine that like in that scenario, like you wouldn't know much about the outside world at all, but there would be like small hints and like small messages passing down the grapevine, which is why Zoe, after she acquired the papers that like proved the government did trigger the explosion. There was a way for them to know that that would trigger some sort of an outrage outside of just the borders of their own country. And I do agree with you in the sense that there is a little bit of like, it's like not the best writing there, but I can see where they were going with that, where it is believable in my sense of it anyway. I feel like we're approaching this from slightly different angles where I think you're sort of picking up on what the sort of vibe the story is going for and what inferences you're supposed to make. And for me, I'm trying to push back on that as acceptable storytelling. I feel like the game, in a sense, this is where I'm probably going to get my most insulting about the game. <laughs> I find it's deeply incurious about the things it's actually supposed to be about. 
Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I know what you mean. So I listened to a podcast really good called Revolutions. And it goes over the history of like 10 revolutions from like the English Civil War to the Russian Revolution. And that podcast goes over like, well, what conditions like actually listed these things? How did people respond? What were the societal forces? And having listened to this podcast doesn't make me an expert on the history of revolutions, but right. it gives me a sense of what it's like to see a revolution happen or something. And in no way does anything presented in the game, which presumably is about a revolution, actually matches that. It's more going off media, like road trip media and general anti-authoritarian sentiment, as opposed to what it's actually like to experience these things. It's all very much representations of other media the people making the game have seen, as opposed to something real about a society. Maybe they're approaching it from the right place, like emotionally and trying to create something, but it feels so shallow to me. Yeah. It could have had way grander concepts going on. I mean, <clears throat> uh, something that popped in my head while you were talking about that was just Levi mentioned North Korea. I would say everyone would agree is a corrupt state, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's not really much debate there. The thing is, political corruption, it's quite common in basically all political systems. Mm -hmm. And there's varying degrees of it. We just saw, you know, good old Trump get elected <laughs> out of office. And mm -hmm. we can agree that that guy is an incompetent leader. Mm -hmm. But the, the fact that he could be voted out means that the system in place was not corrupted. Yeah. As much as he will argue that it was, he was already saying that before he got elected. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Yeah. He was just already setting himself up to always be infallible. That's just the way that yeah. you have to be to have that cultish following, you know? Mm -hmm. Whereas, like, you know, even in Canada where we are, we don't have the perfect system in place. Like, we have problems of corruption in our own government. Oh, yeah. Totally. Yeah. Pretty rampant in Canada, actually. I know it's gotten worse over the years, but like the thing is overall though, our system in place is like mostly good, you know, but it's not Finland. Finland is like <laughs> basically squeaky clean. They're like the ideal along with, I don't know, Sweden. I can't remember who the other countries are with really good records in the last couple decades, but like Probably the perfect Nordic societies countries. Yeah. They're perfect societies. But this goes along the question of, well, okay, so how do we root out corruption? I mean, we were trying to do that with democracy, but democracy is not infallible. And I found out, and the thing is, I got different uh, reports of, like, depending on what I was looking up and stuff and how I was, like, reading through certain documents. But um, at one point within recent years, there was more authoritarian governments than democratic, like, in, in the world. But that changed, I think, recently. And the thing is, there's the there there is always this concept where it's like, well, if if an authoritative government was benevolent, would that be so bad? Yeah, right, right. But the thing is, that's that's harder to do. And if we had a benevolent democracy, that would also be very nice. If everyone that we voted for was actually trained in like they knew how to be like good people, they thought about like their actions and their consequences. It, the thing is, politics has become so complex and convoluted that it's like you try to like plug one hole here, but another one opens up over here. So now you're like all your fingers are trying to plug up all these holes in a dam. And it's just impossible because you start a problem every single time you do something in politics. Right. Right. So having said all that, you know, yeah, there's there's really no complexity in this game of what politics are. It's kind of just like authoritarians. No. 
I feel yeah, I feel like we've been dancing, not dancing around it, but we've been talking about how like this game explores array of ideas politically and like morally, but like doesn't it's too shallow in its execution of it. And like, it's a super big missed opportunity because this format of like a road tripping game that's procedurally generated in this like very political atmosphere. Like that's a really good idea for a game. And I feel like it, they just kind of missed the mark maybe just because they didn't have enough resources or time to really bring them out to their fullest, like, execution but hp didn't give them that omen vitality what they needed (laughs) yeah they didn't get enough uh funds from hp yeah i think ultimately the game is set up to ask a very simple question you know every like i just kind of mentioned before every country every state every province has problems politically right Mm -hmm. and obviously those problems will vary in intensity you know i feel like we have things pretty good where we are right Mm -hmm. I guess the major political thing in our region is it's unaffordability, right? Right. Mm -hmm. The main question is, are we going to vote to make the changes? Are we going to overthrow the government for the changes? Or are we just going to leave? Yeah. Realistically, that's such a minor thing for us, though, right? I'm talking like if there's a corrupt government that is an authoritarian regime, what do you do? Do you try to vote them out? Like, I don't think you can. I tried to look up if a truly corrupt authoritarian regime has ever been voted out because I was like, there's no way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And I just couldn't find anything. But like that's that was actually the amazing thing when I looked up that the voting ending is actually the best one. And when you get it, it actually says, oh, Tyrak was voted overwhelmingly out of office. And basically, like, everything was fine after that. And I'm like, wait, what? He actually like... <laughs> The election actually worked? Yeah. What are you talking about? That's a, such a weird setup for it because that's the ending I got, even though it, it totally sets it up to be like he is a dictator that's fully in control of this country's system that like and that's and like the, all the brigades say it all the time, like, oh, you're trusting in the system? That's the system's totally broken. It's never gonna work. But then it ends up working somehow, even, even though he is in control. Now I think I, I might have missed this because I swear I, on my second playthrough, I focused on saying things only to support voting Mm -hmm. and only do positive actions, you know, like no negative actions, like stealing stuff or anything, right? Mm -hmm. And I think it just went right over my head that it was a different ending. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Everything just looked the same. So I was like, yeah, whatever. The endings, like, it is very minor what changes. It must be minor, yeah, because I didn't even notice it. Yeah, I'm still stunned by how straightforward... Yeah, just vote them out of office actually works. Like, you're just a series of random teenagers occasionally saying to, say, Stan and Mitch that you should vote. And apparently <laughs> those who went on canvas for Flores hard between play sessions. I think the concept is that a lot of people are like, oh, our individual actions don't matter, right? Mm. If you don't think of yourself as an individual, I'll litter. Just littering in general is gross, right? Yeah. And like, if you just think of yourself, it's like, oh, it's just one straw from my drink, whatever. You have to think of yourself as 10,000 people. If 10,000 people do it, that's, it's really gross, right? Yeah. And those should mm-hmm. drop 10,000 straws on the ground. When you think of yourself as 10,000 people putting your garbage in a garbage can, that is much easier to realize that your actions do have importance. Totally. And those straws are going to work their ways into the noses of sea turtles. No, no. And that's sad. <laughs> Don't tell me. Um, but the, I think that was like the idea of playing multiple different teenagers. And so, yeah, maybe you play as anywhere from, what is it? Six to 10, I think. So 
you know, I think the idea is you're multiple different people talking about this and putting out this positive voting energy or this violent revolting energy. Let's just like that's going to become the social norm of like how people view their politics if everyone's putting that idea out. Right. Yeah. Something like that, at least. No, yeah. No, totally. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Does that make sense? I'm picking up what you're Hello? putting down. Yes. Hello. <laughs> I get it. I get it. I totally tuned out for a while, but yeah. <laughs> um, I just got like one final point I wanted to bring up that stood out a lot to me in my playthroughs was you're simultaneously playing multiple teens, but at the same time, you're one mind that like knows things from like each playthrough to the other, which I feel like if they had just decided to do like, we're talking about procedural vignettes and stuff as well. Like they should have just done like a, a, a linear road trip game where they, the story plays out as and you're playing as one character. It would have been so much more of a tightly knit package if they would like done that because they're stuck somewhere in between the procedural generation randomness and the nice tight story structure of a, a linear game that like, I feel like they kind of got the worst of both worlds and it could have been a lot better. That's my general sentiment of the game overall. I did enjoy my time with the game and as shallow as it can get, I do value my time with this game is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. I enjoyed it too. Yeah. Yeah, the characters were fun enough to interact with again, you know, like if you haven't learned that most people are complex beings, this is another game that tries to do it, but didn't do it a great job of it. Like with uh, Dylan's example of Sonya, all of a sudden showing remorse just in time to save her life. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not, not that they don't try to pull it off in a good way. It's just that because human beings are so complex and diverse like it truly would be a huge undertaking for a developer to really do this game justice in that way and props for them for trying it's still a good game yeah yep i i don't know i will say i had a hard time getting through this game oh yeah i am i did finish the game i will likely not play it again and i'll be happy not playing it again okay fair enough Okay, well, I think that's all the time we have for today. <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but yes, I think we're we've yeah. said all we'd have to we have had to say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks so much for listening. Um, before we go, I wanted to mention that the next episode will be talking about Neon White. It's a first-person shooter with fast-paced gameplay where you pick up soul cards to use as weapons or discard them entirely to access each card's unique movement ability. It's available on PC and Nintendo Switch, so pick that up and play it if you haven't already, and join us next time. If you're watching on YouTube, please like and subscribe. If you're listening on your favorite podcatcher, please rate and subscribe there for more episodes in the future. I'm Levi, and I've been joined by Scott and Dylan. This has been Very Good Video Games. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you all next time. Bye, everyone. Papa Bear signing off. Go. Go.